Welcome to the Sword and Song Podcast. Here, Montana pastors Jonah Barnes, Ted Sutton, and Flynn Ayers discuss issues that build up the church and defend her from the enemies of the faith. That the glorious gospel song will be heard throughout Earth's remotest bounds. podcast that we are beginning together um this is our introduction series so we are going to just uh, introduce who we are and and what we want to do with this podcast so we'll we'll start there um why don't we just kind of go around and do a brief uh background um who we are where we're ministering call the ministry things like that um to give uh give our listeners a little bit of uh, a knowledge of of who we are. So, uh, Jonah, you want to start us off, brother? Sure. Well, I'm Jonah. I've been I've been ordained ten years now. I was ordained in the Reformed Church in America, and then jump ship post haste. <laughs> Got out of there and joined the CREC eight years ago. And I've been pastoring in the capital of Montana, in Helena, the last eight years. I'm married, and I have four kids. And my favorite color is blue. Okay. All right. <laughs> where Where did you serve uh, in the uh, Reformed Church in America? Yeah, so I did internships and all of that kind of stuff back in West Michigan, and got my first call as pastor to a small, small town church in Wisconsin. Okay. Were you a senior pastor? No, I came in as the associate pastor, but then about a year in to my pastorate there, he retired, and so I was the only guy for quite a while. But they they never changed my title. I just I just did everything, but had the same title, same pay, more work. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So. You now serve in a CREC church, and for those who may not know what that stands for, what uh, what is what is what does that abbreviation stand for? The Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. Okay, good, good. Yeah, we're uh, we are all three pastors serving in the CREC, the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. Um, that was Jonah. Um, all right, brother Flynn, how about you? But I, I actually have a question for Jonah. Oh, there you sure. go. <laughs> so why, 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 why did you jump ship? Oh, I was getting in trouble. <laughs> so uh, I was going to be placed under discipline by, they don't call it presbytery over there. It's a Dutch reform. It's called the classes. And right. in that form of church government, the minister has his membership held by the classes or presbytery, not the local church. And I was going to be placed under church discipline uh, by the classes and have my ordination revoked because of my views on women in ministry, which is that they can't hold office. So, right. yeah. So and then uh, at the church I was at, I had nine elders and none of them would publicly support me. So with, with the classes against me and with my leadership not supporting me, I needed to get out. 
Did you go to seminary and a denominational seminary? Yeah, I attended. Well, I had to attend the the RCA seminary in Holland, Michigan, over the course of a couple summers to get some of my required credits in. But my main seminary was Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, which is right across the street from Puritan. I would have gone to Puritan, but it was not an accredited seminary at the time. And then I also did some coursework down at Calvin, Calvin Seminary. But but my main coursework was at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. Great place. They're they're a fun bunch for a bunch of Baptists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, brother. And and uh, how long have you been married? What year is it? Uh, Thirteen years. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. I won't ask you to to say your your anniversary date just just in case you you forgot it. Well, don't no, want to get May, you May. It's in May. May fifteenth. All right. Good. That's awesome. Oh, good. I was going to say we're already in trouble with this podcast with our wives, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah, well, I got an easy anniversary date. <laughs> but jo- jo- Jonah came through. Good man. Just setting the standard high. <laughs> so uh, the the RCA and now your transition to the CREC, both of uh, of those denominations are reformed. Right. Uh, did you grow up reformed, or was that a transition that you went into? Or yeah, I, I suppose my my childhood and upbringing could be a whole episode in itself. But sure, yeah. The, the quick and skinny, you know, I didn't grow up a Christian. And when my parents separated, we moved to a new school district. And my my first friend was a pastor's kid. And then if I wanted to stay the night at his house on Saturday, I had to go to church on Sunday. And it happened to be an RCA church. And I was baptized there and I got my first Bible there. And it actually was a very liberal church so they weren't they were reformed in name only but the pastor was an open theist um just all sorts of you know women elders uh, affirming of homosexuality all sorts of crazy stuff that no reformed person would uphold and i started noticing those differences as i was reading my bible <laughs> they gave me a bible and it changed everything and so i became reformed actually in the baptist seminary because i started to understand the reformed position because I was being pushed on it. So uh, that's that's the quick part. Okay, so, that's cool, yeah, at, at the yeah. Baptist seminary, I was convinced of baptizing babies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that could be another episode, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sacraments. Yeah. We'll put it awesome. on the list. Yeah. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. Flynn, what, how about you? Why don't... Why don't you give us a, a little bit of an introduction to who you are and uh, where you minister and and things like that? Yeah, well, I'm uh, Flynn Ayers is my name, and I'm pastor of Christ Church Missoula, CRC Church here in here in Missoula, and I've been I've been here in Missoula for two and a half years. It'll be three years in February, but I've been ministering in the CRC since 2010. Uh, maybe maybe 2009, a little before that. But I've been ordained as a minister of word and sacrament since 2010. And um, married uh, 32 years. <laughs> 32 years. Three, 
we have three grown three grown children and four grandchildren with one on the way. So really five grandchildren. One just is uh, is due in in uh, March, I believe. That's yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, and I I, I uh, since Jonah picked his favorite color, I was going to pick one, but I can't think of a favorite color now. What's so. your favorite book of the Bible? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's too tough. That's too tough. I would, I, you know what? I'm going to say it's Judges right now because I'm going through the Book of Judges, yeah. and I'm absolutely having a blast. That's right. Every every pastor's favorite book is the book he's preaching in. Yeah, <laughs> it is a blast. We and we're having a lot of fun with it. And um, our song of the month is Psalm. 80, we do a song of the month. Our Psalm of the month is Psalm 83 which is an imprecatory psalm with some pretty uh, pretty uh, difficult language for probably most Christians in the church today. But it recounts and, and praises uh, the, the victory of God and his kingdom, uh, particularly battles in the book of Judges. So uh, victory over Sisera and Jabin, victory over uh, Oreb and Zeb and Zalumna, victories of Gideon and Deborah. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, we're having fun, having fun with that. So uh, I guess back to my intro, I, I uh, very similar to Jonah, actually, uh, did not grow up Christian. And one of my best friends uh, in junior high uh, was a Christian family, not a pastor's kid, but a Christian family. Actually, um, they're twins. But um, he's now the CEO of My Faith Votes, which is a, a, a organization that's trying to get Christians involved in, in the voting process. Um, he's a great guy, wonderful, wonderful guy, Jason Yates. Um, but I became a Christian through, you know, through same thing, going over to their family and going to their church. Um, I, I uh, was a baseball player, but in Colorado State University, uh, the only thing that I really liked, the only thing I really that was really motivating me was being a part of the navigator group and and similar similar to Jonah really everything focused on the word of God that was just I needed I had a hunger for the word the Lord placed a hunger for the word in my heart and uh, but I didn't really get serious about my walk until I was a senior in high school but in in college I learned that there were Christian schools <laughs> hmm. I didn't really even know that there were Christian universities and then I could, instead of taking archaeology and from this uh you know, from from some, uh, I, I my my teacher was actually a lesbian teacher at Colorado State, and I didn't want to take archaeology and and taking. I had to take camping my first year because I couldn't get into any other classes. I found out that you could take. There's a camping. class called camping. Yeah, that'll be a whole other podcast. I almost failed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't man. go into that now. But I did. I learned kind of want you universities. to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people that I was with at Colorado State, the Christians that I was with there knew about a, a school called Azusa Pacific University in Southern California, and they had a good baseball team. And so I ended up transferring there because I realized I could be taking class instead of, like I said, instead of the classes I was taking at Colorado State, I could be taking Luke and first and second Samuel. And that just blew me away. So I went to Azusa and got my religion degree, which is basically a seminary prep degree at Azusa. Azusa was a, a Wesleyan uh, school in its origin. 
But when I was there, it became very liberal, kind of, you know, on the evangelical, modern evangelical side of things, but they became evangel uh, uh, they became liberal. And even when I was there, they were starting to become open to homosexuality, certainly. And that's why it was very, the reason I mentioned it is very similar to you, Jonah. Um, women ministers were beginning, but now Azusa Pacific, my alma mater, is one of the centers of open theism. They have a they have a yearly conference and it's held at Azusa. I did not become reformed there, however. I became reformed at Talbot Seminary in uh, also in Southern California, Biola uh, Bible Institute of Los Angeles, which is a a Baptist and uh, and a Baptistic at least anyway in its theology, but really a center for dispensational premillennialism. Yeah. And uh, but my degree was in historical theology. I was very interested in how in history, church history, and in the development of Christian doctrine. And uh, so my main professor there actually was a Calvinist. He called himself the lone Calvinist at, at mm. Talbot. And it was there that I began, as I studied history, I began to become uh, more reformed over the years. And it took several years for me to officially, I guess, become reformed. But you know, while I was at seminary learning about Athanasius and Augustine and even Calvin and Luther, one of the things that struck me was that oh, none, of, none of these guys believe what I'm being taught. Yeah. <laughs> even C.S. Lewis. Everybody loved C.S. Lewis. But none of those guys believe what, what we're being taught in the church. And that, that was a real challenge to me. So, um. Yeah, well, long story short, uh, our, our short, our first, uh, I got married, we began to have children, and but our first experience in the reform world was the CREC. Okay, yeah, I was, I was wondering if if you had uh, flirted with any other, you know, denominations or? I had, um, I had R.C. Sproul, often, uh, uh, R.C. Sproul is often a gateway drug, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sproul and Piper. <laughs> To the reform world, but we also were homeschooling, and and, and our homeschool uh, group, and we had moved to Oregon, and our homeschool group, uh, Doug Wilson's books were starting to circulate, and it was her hand in marriage that I had read, and I thought, yeah, it, it just all of a sudden occurred to me, hey, here's somebody I'm reading who's not dead, yeah. so somewhere, somewhere these guys they're doing this, somewhere they're doing this stuff, right, and so I got on the I got online and. Uh, uh, Found Christchurch, Moscow. Found at the time, we were just the CRE, the Confederation of Reformed Evangelicals. You can't use that word. And uh, yeah, Control. that was way way back. That was way back. This is this well, is now back in nineteen ninety nine, year two thousand. Flynn, you've already broken two rules so far. You uh, said Confederate, and you said Doug Wilson. So yeah, we're oh. already we're already and homosexuality. Yeah, we're already blacklisted. Yeah. <laughs> well when i was looking at the denomination website I was reading through stuff and i thought oh yeah i wonder if there's a church here in oregon and sure enough there was a reformation covenant church in oregon city so i went to their website and on their front page of their website i found out that they were planting a church 20 minutes away from us so the next sunday i was there <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And the Sunday after that, we were the whole family was there. So, and we've been in the CREC ever since. That was that was two thousand, yeah, year two thousand. So, 
Yeah. Nice. So your your first was that your hand in marriage? Was that your first Doug Wilson book that you read? It was. Yeah. My I remember when I was at Western Seminary, which is the RCA one, one of the guys noticed that the uh, lady teaching our class was making me uncomfortable because she was talking about, we were discussing the Belgic Confession. And the Belgic Confession had, it tells us that hell is eternal, everlasting, conscious punishment. It's for real, and people will be there forever and ever under the wrath of God. And the lady pastor at the front of the class said, but we don't have to believe that anymore, you know, because we know better kind of an argument. And I just got these big like bug eyes and I was like looking around the classroom. Like, are we am I the only one bothered by this? And I wasn't. And there was another guy in the classroom who was bothered. And so we went out to a cup, get a cup of coffee. And he said, hey, you should read this guy, Douglas Wilson. And I said, okay. And I wrote his name down and I went back to my computer in my, we had to stay there on campus. So I went back to my dorm and opened my laptop, got on the internet and went on Amazon. And I found Doug Wilson's author page. And, you know, I'm just a poor seminary student. So I, I clicked his cheapest book, which was black and tan. <laughs> you guys, do you guys know that one? Oh, yeah. His, yeah. his book on slavery and race in the South. And so that was the first book I read. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so uh, Flynn, you're in Missoula, and Missoula is quite a bit different than Helena, right? Uh, you guys know Keith Darrell? Yeah. Uh, the campus preacher? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know him, but I know. You know of him? Of him, yeah. He, I've oh. known him for about a seven, eight years, and no, maybe 10 years. Yeah, about a decade. But he, he tells me, traveling the nation and all these college campuses, that Missoula is the hardest. Oh, wow. It's the most, it's the darkest campus. It's most spiritually hardened. It is the hardest place for him to preach out of any of the 48 contiguous states. And uh, uh, yeah. this, this could be an episode in itself that we should talk about, but ministry in the city. And, I, you know, so I was going to ask you, uh, what do you think is the hardest aspect of ministering in, in a larger city like Missoula? Well, we, we have a lot of challenges, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily immediately related to the difficulties of, of ministering in a liberal, pretty liberal city in Missoula. But um, Missoula is, is quite liberal. And uh, I, I pastored for five years in Eugene, Oregon. And Eugene is, in, you know, kind of the, in some in some ways, the heart of <laughs> of liberalism and the heart of everything that's going on in Oregon. But it's interesting, uh, and and, and pastoring and you know ministering, being a Christian in Eugene was difficult. Missoula has a little more angst to it than even than even in Eugene. In Eugene, you know, the uh, those that are opposed to the gospel. Uh, woke ideology, you know, homosexuality and all that stuff is large and in charge. It, I mean, they run the show and they're not really threatened by anything. But in Missoula, you know, we live in a pretty conservative state mm -hmm. and there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of pushback. And so Missoula has become, I think, a gathering place for woke ideology and liberal thinking. And they're a little more defensive. They're definitely more aggressive. They're just more on guard. 
and so it make that I, I, that makes sense to me that it would make Missoula, you know, a pretty a pretty tough place to minister on the university campus because they're way more aggressive. Yeah, uh, because they're they're just more threatened by what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges for us, though, and this is this is not necessarily related to that, but um, most of our families that have been coming, most of the the new fam, well, I should say all the new families that have come, and most of our families actually don't live anywhere near Missoula. Oh wow! And so that's a challenge. So we, we live, which most everybody lives down in the Bitterroot. Yeah, which is much more conservative. When you get once you get out of Missoula County and you get into Rivoli County, mm-hmm. it's a much more much more conservative area. We only have three families right now that actually live in Missoula, and so it's challenge that. So that proposes a, a unique challenge as well, just because we just don't have people, you know, in yet. the area. You don't have people yet. Yeah, yeah, yet, yet, right, right. But the Bitterroot is growing, and we have a we have a new family that you know that um, is is uh, looking to join, and uh, that's where everybody's moving. So, yeah, but I, I think that would be the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenge. Well, okay, so that's on the liberal side of things. I think they're just a little more aggressive. Um, they're also very entrenched. So the entire Missoula City Council, um, what, well, you know, is completely given over to. Uh, uh, anti-Christian, you know, anti-church ideologies, definitely woke. When I first moved here, they they just embraced or they just put into action something called the JEDI Initiative, hmm. um, Justice, Equity, Diversity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. which um, now they're getting federal monies. Missoula is only, Missoula is one of eight other cities in the United States that has this JEDI Initiative. And it comes from it, it's the fuel is coming from the University of of Montana in Missoula. Uh, they have a whole department that's dedicated to, uh, you know, wokeizing your town, <laughs> basically. You know, and um, but they're, now they're getting federal monies to get the you know the Jedi Initiative goals and ideas implemented into every aspect of community life. And it's not things that you would think, you know, they're not out there saying, hey, promote homosexuality, but you get rainbow flags in, in public transportation system. You get the health community, you know, needs to needs to be, um, needs to have certain things in place to make things easier for indigenous peoples, you know, like on, so for example, St. Uh, uh, it's Providence, but it's St. Patrick's Hospital in town, <laughs> Christian, right? Catholic. On their page, you know, on their front page, you get, you know, guidance and direction to where you need to go. But then there's this massive paragraph on the bottom apologizing to the indigenous peoples, uh, you know, for for us occupying their land and thanking them for, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of stuff that the Jedi Initiative is able to push and mm. and to get implemented. And it's, like I said, it's public transportation, it's health, it's it's. Um, community events it's it's odd you know things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think so yeah missoula is a tough place on the christian side we have a, i think um, the best way to to describe it is we have a guy in town who uh, who tries to he's basically 
heads his own ecumenical ministry to try to get pastors to encourage pastors and to try to get churches to work together. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. And um, I had talked to him about trying to get uh, Montana Family Foundation here. Um, their chief legal counsel, his name is Derek, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Oshester, Oshester, something like that. I can't remember his name, his last name, but great guy. Trying to get him here. And uh, he said, that's fine. You can use our building. He has a community. We have a, a this ministry, City Life. They have a community building downtown. We can use the building for free. But he said, basically, he said, good luck. No. <laughs> he said, make sure I tell Montana Family Foundation that, you know, they have to do all the promotion. And that in, in his, he's been here for 10 years. In his estimation, the church here is, is, uh, is, uh, uh, uh and I'm forgetting the word, the actual word that he used, but, but, um, they're just the church here is is just apathetic. That's it, apathetic, and not yeah, really good. interested. Not really interested in working with each other. Yeah, that's um, pretty similar here in Helena as well. Yeah, just trying to meet with other pastors is like pulling teeth. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true for us here out, out in Billings as well. So, my I think it's just maybe a Montana culture thing you know the uh the strong libertarianism that's deeply rooted within montana life and culture right right yeah yeah i think that um uh that you know that'll be something we talk about for sure i'm I'm sure it will that that independent spirit in the west in general uh, right yeah work against the building of the church so yeah all right, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, Ted. We need to, <laughs> Ted, the we host, need to hear about you. The host for today's show. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, well, my name is Ted Sutton. I am uh, the third pastor. I serve in Billings uh, here in Montana, so another another big city in, in Montana. Uh, I'm married. I have seven children, uh, six with us and one with the Lord, so our third our third son passed away uh, two days after he was born, so he's uh, he's with his Lord now and and uh, doing better than all of us. So, uh, Amen. yeah, and I uh, yeah I have uh, kind of a similar uh, path as you guys, um, a little a little a little different. I I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, I actually grew up in a PCUSA church, so Presbyterian Church uh, in the United States of America, which if if you guys know anything about that denomination, they are apostate um, now. But the church that I grew up in was relatively conservative for being in, in the PCUSA. And because of issues with, you know, building and, and things like that, you know, they um the denomination held control over the buildings and even ministers pensions and things like that so it was really difficult for for a minister to leave that denomination uh so our our pastor that i grew up with um decided to to stay for those kinds of reasons um but i grew up in that church i grew up in a um christian household uh grew up going to church involved in youth group um, things like that. Uh, and then I would say uh, 
while that was true, and I believe I I, I belonged to the Lord, uh, I, I probably wasn't walking with the Lord the way that I, I should have been um, in high school. And then shortly after high school, I joined the United States Coast Guard uh, and went active duty for six years. I was stationed in New Jersey and then Michigan. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more if we want later. Um, and it was at, in Michigan, so my second unit, that I began to feel the Lord kind of really refocusing and reshifting my priorities. And church was one of them. Uh, so I, I found a good church out there, got plugged in, uh, started becoming real good friends with the pastor of that church. Unfortunately, that pastor is is now um, uh, apostate. Um, but it was, you know, the Lord still used that experience in my life. Um, and, and yeah, the, he, that's when he started kind of calling me to ministry. Uh, I got married in 2012 and then I went to San Diego Christian college. Um, and I became reformed at this college and this college is a dispensationalist college. I think we uh, all owe a lot to the Baptists. That's what I'm, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm gathering yep. from this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Strongly dispensational. In fact, I don't know. Do you guys know who Dr. Jeremiah? Um, David Dr. Jeremiah? Yeah, Dr. David Jeremiah is. Yeah, yes. I know of him. Yeah. He's got yeah, like so, a new book every other year about how it's the yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the school that I went to was uh, on his campus or on his church campus or whatever. Our campus was on where his church was. Um, and so connected with, with that ministry. So highly dispensational. Um, although a, a number of the profs were Calvinistic, um, kind of 3.5, 4 point pointers <laughs> and that. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, like you guys, gateway drug, right? MacArthur, um, R.C. Sproul. Uh, and so my transition into to reform theology started with those guys, became a, a five point Calvinist. Um, then I then I accepted uh, John Calvin into my heart fully and became a, <laughs> a, a, a Pino Baptist. Yeah, like uh, and so here's where here's where it really gets interesting. Um, once I knew that the Lord was calling me to ministry and to uh, reform Presbyterian ministry. Uh, I went to Westminster West. So I went to Westminster Seminary, California. Uh, that's because I live or I lived in San Diego and that was the closest reform seminary to where I lived. Uh, so I went there for three years. Then we can come back to that in, in a little bit. Um, I served uh, right out of seminary, I, I was called uh, to an associate position in the Presbyterian Church in America, so the PCA, and I served out in Holland, Michigan for three years as an associate, um, and really my my first year was, was great, and then my second year was right when COVID happened, um, so a young, young minister, and COVID happens and we had to navigate uh, all of the, the fun things that we all had to navigate uh, in COVID and in the COVID years. Um, and then I 
yeah, I jumped ship and and went to the CREC. And now I'm I'm serving. I, I came out here last year, last June, and I am serving uh, a congregation uh, out here in Billings, Montana. So that's yeah, that's the watered down version of of 36 years. Well, almost 36 years uh, of my life. So, and it's 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 been good. How has the transition been out of the because it's been such a short time for you out of the PCA and into the CREC yeah the, the transition has been great um I, I've you know I tell my wife every time I I and I've only been to two Presbyteries so uh mm-hmm. but every every single time I I come back from one I'm just I, I just praise the Lord that I'm in the CREC and serving with with guys you know like your such as yourselves and you know Doug Wilson, Toby, and all those guys. It's, it's truly been a, a blessing to uh, to be able to to serve with those guys. So transmit transition has been great. Uh, the transition from associate to senior pastor has has also been uh, been a, a good transition. I have a I have a great congregation. I have awesome elders. Um, so the Lord has truly uh blessed us as we moved out here are, are mike and ryan the the other elders or are there any others uh mike and ryan and then we have yeah. one elder right now in in training um, yeah okay so. okay i i, I was gonna, i know i know mike and ryan those are they're just wonderful wonderful guys just great yeah. guys awesome guys couldn't couldn't have asked for better elders yeah. i really had uh honestly i i had a great senior pastor um, at my old church and great elders as well out there. So, you know, jumping ship wasn't because of anything that had happened in the church, my previous church or anything like that. It was just um, time for me to, to move on and, and be a, a senior pastor. And the CREC looked, looked like the healthiest of all the Reformed Presbyterian denominations. It, it looked to be the healthiest uh, and that was that was really the the main reason for going into the CREC. All right, so I have a bunch of questions for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you grow up? You grew up in San Diego then, in the PCUSA. I yeah, I grew so, up in San Diego. My my wife also grew up in San Diego. In fact, we went to the same high school together. Although we were not we're not high school sweethearts. We uh, we were not uh, in, we we had the same friends because i was friends with with her family uh her cousin played uh the quarterback uh we all played football and and everything and so i knew who she was but based off of them and not really because i hung out with her or or anything like that but we went to the same high school so so were you my i the reason i asked is my my wife went to hilltop high and so did her 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 uncle was a teacher there, and and also her parents both went to Hilltop High. But you, that's in that's in Chula Vista. Were you in San Diego proper? We we actually were in East County, so we East County, uh, okay, yeah, Santee Lakeside, and so I went to West Hills High School. So gotcha, gotcha. And she also grew up in the PCUSA, but the PCUSA no. church that she was in was uh, was in uh, was in Chula Vista. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, well, and and my wife actually, she grew up Baptist, um, and not you know non-denominational, which uh, I think they were affiliated with the SBC. Um, so, 
yeah, she had a she had a jump ship with me, and yeah, uh, yeah. The but Lord, you were in a PCE USA church out in East East County. Yes, I I served as an intern um, at a PCA church in in La Mesa. Okay. All right. So, uh, next question: How come you don't hate the CREC? <laughs> I thought people, you guys hate the coming CREC. from Westminster. Coming from Westminster yeah. West, I, I I say that because the in the last two years we've had some encounters with guys that have graduated from Westminster West and they have not gone well. But they've been all they've all been in the the URC, not you know not not the not the PCA, but but somehow you came out of there with, you know, without uh, C Doug Wilson fever syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, DW. Uh, yes, you didn't run away from the Federal Vision boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. So I, I usually, um, I, the the Lord brought about uh, a number of different things while I was in seminary that I think contributed to a lot of this. Um, I, I struggled with the original languages pretty hard, um, so to keep up with those. You know, just just the original languages was was a task, um, and we we did lose my son um, the second semester of seminary, so we we were going through through that, um, and then I really I just, I struggled with a lot of the the concepts. So um, so I think because of all of all of that, the the Lord kind of kept me from some of the oddities um that that are known um at, at Westminster West, you know, for example, um their views of creation, uh their views on the Mosaic covenant. And I know a lot of these things need to be discussed in, in fuller that we don't have the time in, in this episode. But they were, you know, their their two kingdoms view um as well. Uh and so I I as I was listening to it, as I was, you know, taking notes, as I was doing all those things, I don't think I fully understood what any of those things really meant and the practical application um, of, of those things. So, uh, you know, I took it all in. Um, there was definitely a, a strong, you know, anti-Doug uh, Wilson uh, vibe there through some of the different professors. Um, but I, I never really had that. And, that. and I think the reason is because, you know, I'm reading guys like Calvin and Turretin and uh, Bovink and, you know, all the all the strong home run hitters in, in the Reformed tradition. Um, and, and I listened to a few Doug, Doug Wilson things and, and read a few uh, of his books. And I didn't really think that they were too far off from each other. Um, so, yeah, it, it just never stuck with me that that. Doug was the boogeyman of the reformed world and, and things like that. And, um, similar, similar things happened with, with other guys that were being called federal vision that were just pretty staunchly Puritan reformed, uh, guys. Um, so I never, I never had the, you know, um, Moscow man, bad syndrome. <laughs> Coming out of coming out of seminary, 
So I think that that played a big factor into it. And then, you know, obviously once COVID hit, um, that's when theology became real and practical. Um, And so that's when I started to see a lot of those things that I was taught kind of crumble. Um, And, you know, as I was watching, you know, who, who was, who was standing firm and who was collapsing and, and stuff like that. It, it really was the Westminster West guys that were um, not handling it well. And, and the Moscow guys and the CREC guys were uh, by and large. And so um, I, I kind of flocked to, uh, to that. Um, so yeah, never, never was a, fan of some of the things that were being taught uh towards you know guys like peter lightheart and you know it is it is interesting though uh so they they don't like doug wilson uh but they can they can stand peter lightheart and have a and have a they have a respect uh for him and i have i have some uh suspicions as to why that is but we and we can talk about that as a you know another time so we'll have a a conspiracy theory episode of all of our (laughs) we we cannot know for certain but we're going to share them with you anyway yeah so my my last question my last question for you ted was you said two presbyteries and i'm trying to remember that i guess that means that you had not you did not attend the previous council that is correct that's correct. Yeah. I was I was presently in discussion with uh that's right you know, with the church during that time. So yeah, council is gonna be a blast. I'm really excited. Um I'm I'm excited for, for Presbyterian, I'm excited for the council and, and just to see the guys deliberate and, and all the things that you know we we have before us, which you know I was talking to the to our people last night at our Wednesday night um, fellowship song sing. As I look around the different denominations and all the things that they're facing at their general assemblies, um, you know what we're facing in our council is. I will take that every day of the week. Right. So, yeah. well, and actually, I actually was uh, referring to song. Actually, yeah, we're thinking about song because we I think they'll like if they did what they did last year, we had um, messages. But before each message, we had a time of singing and it was, you know, I don't know how many, Jonah, 100, 100 pastors and other folks in, in you know, often in there, you know, uh, singing a hymn or a psalm. It was pretty. Oh, yeah, it's it more pretty, than that. It's pretty it's, wonderful. Yeah, it was more than that. Yeah. Each church gets two delegates. And yeah. The- and then also guests are involved. So, you know, 200 to 300 men singing, singing together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And all I mean, knowing that, yeah. their hearts. And it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. It's, and so um, that's what I think of when I think of Presbyterian. Oh, yeah, we have business that's, we have important business that we have to take care of. <laughs> I just want to sing and eat food. But we just want to <laughs> sing and eat food. It's really, it's and, and members of our congregation, they put the, we were able to put, the, I don't know who did it, but, you know, uh, the church down in Louisiana were able to put those things online. And the thing that impacted, uh, put those, those messages online. The, the thing that impacted um, our congregation the most, they keep talking about was this, was the singing beforehand. Mm-hmm. 
just just really awesome so that's yeah that's going to be a lot of fun and and maybe maybe i don't want to maybe i i, I don't want to adjust the schedule here but maybe that's a good segue into <laughs> into our title yeah. oh yeah <laughs> no that's great that is that's a that's the next thing that we definitely wanted to uh discuss here in our in our introduction uh podcast and you know, I think this kind of will will encompass a lot of different things. You know, why um, why a new podcast? Um, why did we name it the 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 name that we did? Um, and really, what what do we want to accomplish as as three pastors uh, serving in in three different cities in one denomination? Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll just throw that out there to you guys. Um, Maybe we'll just start with the name of our podcast. You know, we we took a lot of time uh, in in thinking through, you know, a name. Um, why did we choose this name, the sword and the song, or the sword and song? And because it wasn't taken. Well, that's that's <laughs> true. That was that's that a practical. A, that's a very practical reason. That is a practical reason. Uh, so we had a we had a lot of good names that all many of them revolved around the the concept of of um, build and fight you know and, and there's a and there's a lot of sword sword and uh, sword and shovel you know there's a lot that's being used a lot in our circles and uh, but the concept from Nehemiah you know rebuilding the ruins and establishing the community uh, the community of the kingdom having to build, but also having to defend uh, is something that resonated in a lot of our, a lot of the names that we came up with. And so, right. but yeah, sword and sword and shovel was taken. <laughs> and so I think it was Jonah. I think Jonah came up with sword and song. It, it alliterates quite nicely. And yeah. and I thought that we could have, and we're, and we're, we're preachers. So we, we like that. So yeah, I thought it would, uh, Another practical reason would that be it's an easy uh, name for a podcast to have a good logo. There you go. Yeah. But but it also encapsulates the kind of Christians we want to be. Right. Right. So this the sword and the song, when we think about particularly the robustness of the CREC in our local churches and what we what we're focusing on as pastors in leading our, our Christian Christian families. Our, the members of our church, um, we want them to be equipped with the sword of God's word, and we want them to sing. And there's a, I guess there's a lot that goes into that, you know, the the outflow of those kinds of those lines of thinking. When you think of song, it's culture building, you know, it's it's establishing the heart, it's passing on the faith. One of the best ways, of course, to give your children the love of the covenant is to sing about it. <laughs> you know the kids just the kids love the singing of the church and so we want to fight we want to build culture we want to create culture uh, just all of those aspects of being involved with the sword and the song it's i think it's just a just a very brief two-word sample of what the kind of christendom we want does that make sense most yeah. definitely yeah and you know, I like we we were talking before the podcast started. You know, one of the one of the great tragedies of the church in America is that we have forgotten that we're in a fight. 
um, you know, the, the warfare language is all over, not just the Old Testament, but it's all over the New Testament. We have armor. Um, you know, we we have we have a sword, like as you said, Jonah, the sword of the spirit. And we have enemies that need to be defeated. Jesus is a king. And his kingdom is extending. That's one of the reasons why we, you know, we chose the 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 music that we chose. And we've forgotten that we're in a battle and we've forgotten how to fight. And, you know, since I'm going through the book of Judges, I guess I get to do, I get to give the little intro into the book of Judges. But, you know, at the very beginning, after Joshua is in Israel has finished conquering the promised land and they and they distribute the land amongst the tribes uh joshua dies and there's a there's a description of how well the tribes did in getting rid of the rest of the canaanites the rest of the wicked and judah does pretty well but as you go down through the list things get worse and worse and because they uh, because they married the canaanites they married outside of the kingdom of god they married outside the faith and which led to idolatry and sexual immorality, and they forgot the Lord. Anyway, long story short, the angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, you know what? These enemies are still in the land to teach you two things. One is to see if you'll be faithful to the word of God, and the other one is to teach those who have not known warfare to teach them warfare. That's what he says at the beginning of Judges. To teach. And that's really a kind of, it's really where we're at today. We're, we're needing to teach are, are, you know, Christians, how to fight, how to fight the good fight. And it's not the way we, that's not the way, it's not the way we think, right? It's the Lord fights in a very, very different way. And so um, the other thing I would say too, is that, you know, worship is praise, worship is glory and everything you said, Jonah, um, building culture, but worship is also warfare. And many of our, many of our hymns and Psalms that we sing are battle hymns and they're battle Psalms. Uh, and to learn and to learn those again are are very very important. You know, music traditionally has been a part of warfare over the centuries. Um, but uh, yeah, so that you know, and the great my my favorite example of that is Jehoshaphat, right, being surrounded, uh, and he goes to the temple and says, "Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't have we have no power over the enemy, and all our eyes are on you to deliver us." And the Lord says, "Okay, not exactly in that." probably uh, the accent. Phrase. <laughs> that's my my accent there all right Josephat, this is what we're going to do i want you to take all the levites all the pastors right all the priests and everybody that plays musical instruments and i want you to put them in the front line yeah yep. so and you guys know the way they used to fight back then is you know soldiers would line up on one side of a valley and the other soldiers would line up on the other side of the valley and they'd yell at each other for for days and we're better than you. No, we're better than you. And then eventually, eventually they would come marching, crashing down into the valley and and engage each other in battle. And if you're in the front line, you know, chances of survival aren't it great, goes. especially if you're carrying a trumpet and a flute. <laughs> you know, so, so you can, but Israel and Jehoshaphat, they were faithful. And Jehoshaphat encourages them not to, you know, not to fear. And as soon as they start, as soon as they start worshiping the Lord, they look at the other side of the valley and they all start killing each other. They didn't have to fight at all. And, you know, over and over and over again in the Bible, right? And in the Old Testament, the Lord tries to teach his people that the battle belongs to him, which is why worship 
is so important. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, Psalm, there's, there's another episode part in the future. Room. Yeah, the <laughs> theology right. of worship. That's right. <laughs> well, and I and I think of you know Paul's word in Colossians three. Uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So you have you have the two two parts there: um, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly and uh, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I think I think the title really does um, you know uh, encapsulate uh, in the ethos of what the CREC is and what we want to be as pastors and what we hope uh, we teach uh, our, our people to be as well. Yeah. We, I just had a conversation with a member of our church the other day and he came out of a, a Baptist tradition and now he's, he's full on reformed. And one of the things he said is that he just, he celebrates how joyful the church is and and we we were discussing that, but it's not like a, a flippant joyfulness where like nothing in the world matters. You know, we're just passing through, you know, we're on, we're on our way to heaven forever. You know, no, nothing matters because my soul's with Jesus kind of flippancy about the world. But at, we, we take the world very seriously. And yet at the same time, we're also very joyful. And uh, he he appreciates how having what we would say the sword in the song creates seriously joyful Christians. You know, it's just a robustness, a firm foundation and something, even when the culture turns against us and the government turns against us, we can sing in their faces. <laughs> you know, we, it doesn't matter in that regard. We're still going to sing to our King uh, because whatever the outcome is, we win, right? Because we're his and he's already won. And so we're seriously joyful. We take the sword and we take the song and we enter into the world. So, yeah, that's just. Isn't that ironic? What's that? When you don't fight, I think, you know, when you don't engage in the way you're supposed to engage, you know, I think we get robbed of joy. Yeah. But when we, but when we, but when we engage, when we're faithful to the word of God, when we robustly, are praising the Lord and, you know, and we engage in the battle and realize all those things that you just said, we actually, one of the results is actually joy. Right. Yeah. Uh, being a pessimistic martyr just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're optimistic, especially if we're going to be martyrs. Right. Oh. Amen. Well, then that, that kind of, I think maybe leads to maybe the last thing that we want to, um, kind of discuss in our in our intro um and that would be uh you know what what is the purpose for this podcast i mean why why another podcast there are so many podcasts out there um why do we do we really need another one um and what what will our podcast provide um that so we'll let's start that start that out I, I think um, I think we should ask you, Ted, because it was you. It was your idea. Yeah, we're we're here the because Lord, of your invitation. The Lord moved on your heart. Said, "Hey, you guys are interested in a podcast. So, what what kind of things were you thinking?" All right, I see what you did there. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. So 
for me, it was, um, you know, we, we live in a, in a podcast age, um, which is great. I, I listen to podcasts. Um, but one of the things that uh, I think that kind of, uh, that kind of thing does is it, it trains, it trains church people in a certain way. Um, you know, they'll, they'll listen to their favorite podcaster or they'll listen to their favorite, you know, um, maybe preacher or whatever it is. And they'll hear, they'll hear a sermon um, and they hear that sermon divorced from pastoral ministry. They hear that sermon divorced from Monday through Saturday uh, engaging in uh, in the church and the life of the church, pastoral ministry, you know, things like that. Um, and so I wanted to, as as three local pastors of, of churches, offer something um, to our people first and foremost, um, where they're 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 getting their pastors working through the you know working through issues, working through cultural battles, things like that. Um, and, and, but making it applicable to where they are and they're seeing their shepherds, um, who they know, um, who, who, who are hopefully engaged in pastoral ministry with them on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and, and they can see that and think through it together with, uh, with them. So that was, that was kind of my vision. Uh, when I came to you guys and asked if you wanted to to do a podcast, that's what I was thinking through and thinking about, um, you know, the local church and how we can assist uh, the local church um, in, in that way. How can we, how can we be a, a blessing to the local church um, that the Lord has called us to? So I don't, I don't know if, if you guys have maybe other things that you, uh, that you think along those lines or, or something else. Yeah, definitely. How about, how about you, Jonah? You want to yeah, comment? I, I, one of the reasons why I thought, yeah, why not? You know, when you invited us because you know, the internet is the printing press, you know, of our age. And just imagine the reformation. If it was only the secular humanists or Rome producing material. Right? The Reformation wouldn't have happened. Be, uh, once Martin Luther got a hold of a printing press, <laughs> things began to change. And although the internet is is full, like you said, there's why another podcast? And one of the goals of doing something like this is not to have the largest audience. You know, we don't we don't need to be the next Joe Rogan uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, in fact, I don't know if I'd want to be. <laughs> uh, but to but to affect change where we can, you know, if this podcast gets out to eighty people, you know, that, that's eighty people that we're we're impacting with the word of God, and we're helping to change their lives as they follow Christ. And eighty people, and those people talk to, you know, four or five other people, and the the ways that we affect the local members in our congregations has far-reaching influence in the culture. We just won't see it. And so, you know, putting putting our voice out there, um, you know, so I, you know, 
if the internet is the printing press of our age, I don't want it to fill up with atheist liberal garbage. Right. You know, rather than just one of the things that Christians are known for doing is copying and pasting the, the latest headline and saying, isn't that terrible? Yeah. But we're not actually creating anything. We're just pointing at the world and saying, that's bad. And it is, right? It's it's bad. But what are we doing to create a counterculture to that? So if right. if, the, if the LGBTQ uh, community is putting out podcasts about transitioning your children, where are the Christian podcasts to resist that? You know, rather right. than citing the podcast and saying, that's bad stuff. It is bad stuff. But what are we doing to push against it? So we want to fill yeah. the airwaves, you know, with, with the praise of God and his word. What were you going to say, Ted? Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, I mean, amen. And I would even, you know, push pushing against it and then offering um, what is better, right? That's yeah. um, the alternative. Again, I, I think that the church, the church is, has uh tried to to fight back um but it it fights back with a thou shall not um and and we need that i'm not i'm not trying to deny that but often we're missing the um what what shall we do right how shall we then live um we're we're missing the uh the truth goodness and beauty of of the real thing that god has created and has given to us um, and it's really that kind of vision that I think the church lacks right now. Um, and I hope that, you know, we as, as three local pastors can, um, yeah, like, like Jonah said, uh, whatever um, impact uh, we can make on, you know, the people that God has given to us, then I would count that as a success. So. Yeah. And I, I heartily echo all of that. And I think I, I would add, I, I confess to being a little bit of a Luddite when it comes to podcasts. I told you guys that at the beginning. I, I don't really listen to many. Actually, I should take the M off of that. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I, but that's hilarious. Yeah. The, but, but the reality is, you know, Ted, when you brought up the idea, I thought, you know what? It was always in the back of my mind because I'm focusing on what I, you know, what I'm focusing on. And podcasts were never one of them. But when you brought it up, I realized, you know what? Everybody in almost everybody in my congregation listens to podcasts on a regular basis. Right. And what a great opportunity this is. Exactly what, what both both of you said, but for them to hear, you know, um, during the week outside of just a sermon or if they didn't have an opportunity to come up and chat with me. Uh, but then not just chatting with me, but with with two other pastors in the CREC. Uh, what a great opportunity that would be to go deeper on various issues and maybe talk about issues even perhaps that they hadn't thought through. Good content. But also, you know, uh, for me, too, I saw it as an extension of Christus Rex. So, you know, hopefully our, our annual three church get together. And, 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 and so also an opportunity for members of my congregation our, here in Missoula to to hear you guys. And so there's also, you know, a, a continued um, connection between the three churches uh, throughout the year that I thought, but yeah, this is a great idea. So thank you, Ted, for thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, 
Yeah, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that um, we make it available to members of our congregations. I'm hoping that um, folks will be able to listen, be edified by it, and that it would it would foster greater uh, greater depth of faith in the members of our congregation, but also greater uh, greater depth of of uh, a connection uh, to to Helena and to Billings as well, and just creating that unity uh, that we have in the CREC. So, yeah, yeah well, well, I I appreciate that. I think that that's probably a, a a great place to maybe wrap up, as as I'm sure time is um, coming close uh, to an end here. So, um, yeah, I'm excited, brothers. I'm excited to uh, to to do this with you. I'm excited to think through, um, you know, all the many different topics that we can um, sort through on a weekly basis and try to um, give our people um, and yeah, give our people a, a, a solid basis uh, for how to, how to respond, how to fight, how to build um, and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I've enjoyed discussing things with you already on this, in this episode. So I look forward to to many more episodes with you, brothers. Yeah, should we uh, tell our listeners what the plan is moving forward? Uh, we yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, well, um, I'm, our plan is is uh, once we get well, yeah, our plan is to to weekly drop this. Um, and did we? I can't remember what what day we had said. So maybe you should. Whatever Maybe day this is, yeah. Whatever day this <laughs> came out, it will be that day every week uh, on Thursdays. Uh, okay. What is our plan moving forward again? I <laughs> yeah, just be there, be there to record it, and then we do have a, an email set up for the podcast, so people can send in, you know, questions or topics that they wish we would discuss, things like that. And the email is swordandsong at protonmail.com. We we actually already have one email in the hopper. So if anyone yeah. is interested in suggesting topics or having questions from a past episode, you know, I know this is the first one, but in the future, if you have a question about a past episode, like you want to know more about Ted's time at Westminster West, <laughs> you can just send it to the email address. If by any chance Scott Clark is listening to our uh, podcast, he can, he can send us an email. Yeah, yep. that's right. So is, is there anything else our listeners should know about the Sword and Song podcast? I would, I, you know, if you have any hate email, just send it to Jonah Barnes. Yeah, at, no, <laughs> that, that actually is my email, jonahbarnes at protonmail.com. <laughs> I will take the hate email. Uh, I think that's I think that's it. Um, that was what we wanted to discuss today on our uh, intro podcast and Hopefully, yeah, hopefully this will be an edifying, um, edifying thing for, for all of our people. So, yeah, we'll look forward to next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Sword and Song, please share and subscribe. We encourage you to send your comments and questions to swordandsong at protonmail.com. See you next time.